0: His hands were trembling as he walked towards the temple. His palms were surely beginning to sweat. Every step was calculated as he got closer and closer to the temple. He didn't want to trip. He didn't want to fall. He didn't want to catch his foot on the cut stone. But the weight of the bowl that he was carrying was becoming immense. Not because of the weight itself in the bowl, but because of the weight of the expectation that was upon this man and what that bowl symbolized. You see, as this man made his way towards the temple, carrying this bowl as carefully as he possibly could, he had to be in one of those situations, maybe you've been there before, Where every breath you can hear and it sounds like a hurricane, where you can feel your own heart beating, and surely it's racing as this man makes his way up towards the temple. It's only a few more steps as he goes towards the temple, it's only gonna be a few more steps before he goes behind the curtain into the inner courts of the temple. He's not supposed to be there necessarily. The odds of this guy being the one carrying this bowl towards the temple are at least 20,000 to one. But for some reason today, this man's name was called. And he's doing his duty and he's taking it seriously. And he's carrying this bowl that surely by now as he gets close to the temple is heating up. Because it's carrying the ashes From the sacrifice that was made earlier that day in the courts of the temple. He's carrying it now into the inner courts of the temple. And as he gets behind the curtain into that small room. What would have been about an 18 by 18 square is in there. This man surely had to be filled with a holy anticipation. Because he's now gone into The Holy of Holies. Where the Jewish people knew that the presence of God was. But we have to be honest for a second. And realize no one had sensed the presence of God in a really, really, really long time. But on this day, he's carrying the prayers. He's carrying the sacrifice into the presence of God. And he's filled with a holy anticipation. Realizing what's on the line. For him, literally, it was life or death because you can't go into the Holy of Holies and have sin in your life and come back out alive. Rock Hills, if I were to ask you, where do you start the Christmas story? I'm guessing this probably isn't the first thing that comes to your mind. But as we look at the Christmas story today, we're going to look at the very beginning of the book. Of Luke, and we're gonna see where Luke starts the Christmas story. You know the Christmas story, right? An angel shows up to a couple and says, You, surprise, you are gonna have a child, right? And this lady finds out that she is going to bear a child, and her name is Wrong. All right, I know you hate it when you come to church and the preacher tells you you're wrong, but Wrong. All right, Mary is actually the second woman. The first woman that the angel Gabriel shows up to and says you're going to be with child is a lady named Elizabeth. And today we're going to look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's the story before the story that we all know, right? You've all got your manger scene. You can picture that in your head. Well, there's two more characters. You don't have to get rid of your manger scene. You can just add these mentally in there that lead us to that manger scene. There's two more characters that lead the way for us, and that is Zechariah and Elizabeth. So we're going to take a look at them today as we continue our series, Anticipation, because this couple really epitomizes for us the anticipation of God's presence. And Christmas reminds us about anticipation. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you You are here with us. Your word tells us when we gather together in your presence that you are there among us. And so, Father, today we come anticipating that it won't be my words today, but, Father, that you will speak to each one of us. Father, that you will give us wisdom, that you will let us know that you are Emmanuel God with us in the midst of everything that we are facing today. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's Christmas time, and if you haven't noticed that, uh, you've been living under a rock or something because it's everywhere, right? It's on the radio station, it's in every store that you go to. If you stop and get a cup of coffee, they want to throw some peppermint and mocha and, and dazzle and razzle in there, right? And some jingle bells on top. It's everywhere. And I love Christmas. I don't I don't know if you're one of those people, but I love Christmas. I love putting on the Christmas music. I love watching the Christmas movies. I love trying to trick my family into telling me what they're getting me for Christmas. I love all those things about Christmas. And so I get this anticipation at Christmas time. All right, I'm in my 40s and still Christmas Eve I'll have a little bit of trouble sleeping that night just because I'm excited about Christmas. Did any anybody else get excited about Christmas or is just all right. Good I'm glad I'm not alone in here. Uh, how many of you when you were kids you were peekers, huh? Any yeah, you went and found the presents and peeked cuz you had this anticipation about Christmas. And Culturally, it is, it is a season of anticipation, right? Where, where the kid is just waiting for Santa to come, looking out the window, waiting for, you know, the reindeer on the roof or whatever it may be. There's this anticipation about Christmas. Even as adults, uh, let me break some news to you here, adults. You've got two weeks left, all right? That's it. So sometimes we get the other side of anticipation where we're going, oh, crud, only two weeks Left, right? So there's this anticipation that just fills the Christmas season. Anticipation itself is a very powerful concept, right? What you anticipate can motivate you, it can influence the way you treat other people, it can influence the way you think about things, it influences the way you spend your money because of what you are anticipating. Now, very simply put, anticipation is just what you are expecting to happen, right? Anticipation is just what you are expecting to happen. Now, if you have a negative anticipation, we call that worry, right? You're expecting the worst to happen, or you're at least expecting a negative outcome to happen. Or on the other side of that, if you're expecting a positive outcome, you're expecting things to turn out good, we call that hope. So you've got hope and you've got worry, Two of the most powerful emotions in our human existence, right? If you can give people hope, you can inspire a nation. If you can cause people to worry, you can control a nation, right? It's been done since the beginning of time. Hope and worry. And as we enter the Christmas season, as we look at what Christmas is truly about, we're going to see it's about anticipation and it's about hope. It's about hope that God can meet you right where you're at. Now I do want to put a little pause on the message right here and just speak to all of you because even though I love Christmas and I think it's exciting, sometimes it's difficult as well. I lost my father a few years ago at Christmas time, and so every Christmas that still comes to mind. And I know that there are those of you here that even though this is supposed to be a special time, it can be difficult because you're missing someone that you loved. Relationships haven't gone the way that you would have hoped to that they would have gone. And if that's you today, I want you to know that you're in the right place and I want you to know that God has not forgotten you and He still wants to be your hope. Get rid of all the the jingle bells and the tinsel and bows and I want you to realize that God is Emmanuel, God with you in whatever you are facing today. So whether this is a joyful time or it's a painful time for you, I want you to know that God is with you and Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to remind us of that as well as we look at the Christmas story. So let's see where it begins. We're going to be in the book of Luke, and you may say, wait a minute, Adam, how can this be where the Christmas story begins? Because that is the third gospel, right? So if you know your Bible a little bit, you know that there's Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. However, Luke is the first chronologically, It's going to start before where Matthew and Mark pick up in the story. So if we want to go back to the very beginning of this account that leads us to Christmas, we're going to look in the book of Luke. So we're going to start in verse 5. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous In the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But, notice that word but right there. I love how the Bible is honest. Right? Because sometimes we're trying to do everything right. But, right? Things aren't going our way. You're trying to get your marriage where it needs to be. But. You're trying to get your finances where they need to be. But. You're showing up to church. But, and that's where Zachariah and Elizabeth find themselves, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So in this Old Testament setting, if you couldn't have a, a, a child, uh, it was the woman's fault. She was barren, all right? They didn't have tests and stuff in that time. So culturally, they just said the woman is barren. They weren't able to have children. And the Bible even goes on to note and they were very old, right? And I can just see as Luke is writing this and he says, I need to make mention that they were old. It's not just they were childless, they were old. And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 right? They were very old, right? I mean, we're not just talking retirement here for Zechariah and Elizabeth. We're not just talking they go to Luby's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to get dinner. We're talking Yoda-ish, Right? Scholars tell us they both would have been around late 80s to 90s, somewhere in that age range, and they are childless. Now remember, the very definition of anticipation is what we are expecting to happen, right? The downside of anticipation, which we don't necessarily like as an American culture, is what you anticipate... You are going to have to wait for. First thing I want you to get today. What you anticipate, you are going to have to wait for. Sometimes that's God's presence, His goodness, His working in your life. And let's be honest. Waiting is really, really hard sometimes, right? Whether it's in your marriage, in your job, with your family... And you feel like something's coming, but you're just stuck in this season of waiting. And you feel like you've been there for a while. I mean, honestly, for us, if it's more than a week and we're still waiting on something, we get a little bit frustrated. If it's more than a month, if it's a year, whatever it may be. Here's Zachariah and Elizabeth, and they were very old, right? They had waited for a very long time, but a child had never happened. And even more specifically, a son had never happened. And in that culture, if you didn't have a son, everything that you were, your name, your reputation, your inheritance, all just evaporated once you died. In that culture, the most valuable thing you could have is a son to pass down your name, your legacy to. And they were never able to have that. And they had been waiting and waiting And waiting for a long time. Now, there's some of you here that are in a dark season, and life has been frustrating. And I want to encourage you if you are waiting, if you are hurting, if you are struggling, Christmas reminds us that He is Emmanuel, God with us. And here's here's the part that we don't like. It's in the hard times when you're waiting, when you're ready for it to happen. You're ready for your career to go to the next level, or you're ready for your marriage to go to the next level, or more importantly, you're ready for your relationship with God to get to this place where you feel like it should be, but you're just stuck waiting. Let me tell you what happens when you wait. When you wait, you begin to understand who God is. In that painful time, when it hurts you grow stronger in that difficult time where sometimes you feel like you just can't take it anymore. You get begin to get a vision of who God really is and how much he loves you. I think far too many times people just give up in the waiting when if we would have just waited and held on to what God wants in our lives, we would have seen what he desired for us. But Zechariah and Elizabeth weren't the only ones waiting. We see in verse 8, "...once Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as the priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple and burn incense." And when the time came for burning incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So here's how this works. You've got the Jewish people and they gather together at the temple and they give their sacrifices to God for the forgiveness of sins this time of year. And they come together and then out of these priests, there would have been about 20,000 priests Out of those priests, this particular year, we're going to take a division of priests. Because there's so many of them, they're they're in different groups. It would have been about 1,000 to 1,200 men. So this particular time, Zechariah's division was selected. Now out of that 1,000 to 1,200 men, they cast a lot. Basically a lottery. They pull a name out of a hat. And this year it is going to be Zechariah who gets to take the sacrifices into the Holy of Holies. So that's what's happening as Zachariah is carrying that bull, right? He's carrying the prayers and the sacrifice of the people into the presence of God. Now, everybody else, what are they supposed to be doing? They stay around the temple, the priests and the people alike. They're worshiping God and they're praying. So again, you see the weight that Zechariah is carrying. Because here, here's this 90-year-old man carrying this bull. Realizing what he's been praying for for 90 years, he's going to take into the presence of God. And not only is he praying for it, but he's surrounded by 40, 50, 60,000 people who are all watching his every step and praying. So all these people are around, they're praying, and this incense that burns is the, the visual image of those prayers going up to God, So as he takes them and puts them in the Holy of Holies and this incense rises, it's the people's prayers rising up to God. Here's the hard thing there. Remember the waiting is the tough part. These people are outside praying. And as they're praying, there's a lot they have to overcome. Because this is the beginning of the New Testament story. But the Old Testament in Malachi, it ended approximately 500 years ago. And for 500 years, it's been silence. God hasn't moved in his people. God hasn't spoken to his people through a prophet or through any miracles. Nothing. Right? So it's in this waiting that it gets really difficult. Not just for Zachariah and Elizabeth, but all of the Jewish people. But they kept praying and they kept believing. Which brings me to our second thought as we look at anticipation. What you anticipate, you will have the opportunity to give up on. What you are anticipating God doing in your life, you are going to have the opportunity to give up on. And here's why this is relevant for each of us today. At some point in your life, if you're a believer... You are going to have the opportunity, if you haven't already had this, one day you will. You will be at a place where God seems so silent. Where God seems so absent in your life that it will shake your faith. And you're going to go, God, are you really even there? Do you see what's happening in my family? Do you see what's going on in my life? God, where are you? There will be a day in your life where you go, why do I keep going to church? Why do I keep singing these songs? Why do I keep putting some money back there in the box? Why do I keep doing this? There will be a day in your life when God just seems absent and silent. You'll ask yourself why. Christmas reminds us of this. God's silence is not God's absence. If you're in a season of your life right now where God seems absent, where God seems silent, I want you to know His silence is not His absence. There's nothing that we could do to separate ourselves from God's presence, from His love. He is Emmanuel, God with us. His silence in your life is not a lack of love and it's not a lack of care. Although there are tens of thousands of people who have gathered to pray, There are also many, many more Jewish people who have walked away. People who have have given up. And and can you blame them? Right? If the only relevance that you had to God in your life is what somebody said in the 1500s. I heard my great, 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 great grandfather say that, you know, God sent his son to do this for us. But... 500 years later now in your life, if all you had was what happened back in medieval times, would you be real motivated to hang on to that belief? And so what had happened, generation after generation, there were Jewish people who just said, I think it was all a folktale. Or God's just quit and he's given up on us, so we're giving up on him. And generation after generation, family after family, family. Group after group just decided, I'm done with this. I'm walking away from it. And they decided to give up on it. But the temple is surrounded by a group of people who are still praying and are still believing. And here's what they're praying. Here's what that that incense symbolizes. They are praying for the salvation of Israel. And they are praying that God will send a Messiah. And they've been praying it for generation after generation after generation. So here's Zechariah carrying this bowl today. God, send us a Messiah for the salvation of Israel. God, we're asking you again. Would you hear our prayer and save our people and send a Messiah? There were lots of Jewish people who had taken an exit ramp and said, I'm done. Zechariah and Elizabeth Surely they had lots of exit ramps along their journey as well. I mean, they're in their 90s. Now, in their 20s, they were were that young married couple having a great time, you know. Oh, and God, give us a baby. It didn't happen. In their 30s, they're still praying for that. God, we pray that you would give us a son. In their 40s, maybe they felt a little bit discouraged. But, God, would you give us a son? We believe that this is your will. And in their 50s. Still nothing. And surely by that time. As they got together with the family. There were well many meaning family members. That pulled them aside and said. Listen. Um, you know you should really think about this Zachariah. It just doesn't seem to be happening. In your life. Maybe by their 60s. So they get together at that family celebration, it's Elizabeth's birthday and Zachariah is praying for his wife. Oh God, I thank you for my wife. She's more beautiful now than the day I met her. And I pray, Lord, you would give us a son. Maybe it's about that time that her hand that's starting to wrinkle a little bit squeezes his and gives him that look out of the corner of her eye and just says, would you give it up? You know, at some point we've, we've got to let go of this. And now they're through their 70s. And they're through their 80s. And they're into their 90s. Do you know what Zechariah should have done? And I'm not saying it would have been a cool thing to do. But do you know what Zechariah should have done? And I'm not saying, please hear me on this before you get mad and write on a comment card. uh, You know, what are you preaching about? I'm not saying the Bible says to do this. But what Zechariah should have done. And I'm not saying that God... Says that he should have done this. But what Zachariah should have done. He should have divorced Elizabeth long ago. Here's the door. Because in that culture. If your wife cannot bear you a child. You divorce her. And you marry a more fertile wife. Right? In that culture. That was perfectly acceptable. Even under Jewish rabbinical law. That was perfectly acceptable. Now, if Zechariah just loved her so much, he wanted to keep her around, he actually just could have married a second, much more young, fertile wife that could bear him a child. But for whatever reason, Zechariah never chose to take that exit ramp in his life. And surely there were the well-meaning people that pulled him aside at that family gathering and said, listen, Zechariah, you're not getting any younger, bro, and she's not either, right? You really got to think about what your legacy is going to be. You, do you realize what you're risking here? There were surely days after work when that friend of his, that co-worker, pulled him aside and said, hey, I don't mean to get in your business like I have for the last 30 years, but you really ought to meet this friend of mine, Right? There were people all along that not only was he passing exit ramps, but I'm sure there were well-meaning people in his life that said, let's take this exit right now, right, in my life. And there will be people in your life that love you so much that they want you to be happy more than they want God's will in your life. And they will point you towards an exit ramp when you need to be anticipating what God Wants to do in your life. Zechariah and Elizabeth. It noted in that scripture. They were blameless before God. They did the right thing. They kept anticipating God's best. Past every exit ramp. As a Jewish culture. And also as a couple. Are you anticipating. God's promises. In your life. We can learn from this text today. That their anticipation. Was simply defined by God's promises. Our anticipation needs to be defined by God's word. His promises in our lives. Not culture. Not the economy. Not situations and circumstances. And I'm as guilty as anybody. Right? When everything hits the fan. We can panic. And go, oh no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Rather than just saying, God, I trust in your promises. I'm anticipating your promises in my life. Let's see where it takes this couple. <clears throat> Verse 11. Then an angel appeared to him <clears throat> standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You think? Uh, but then the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. I'm going to push pause right there for a second. So here he is, right? He's taking that bowl Filled with anticipation. Knowing that the prayers of a nation and a generation are in his hands. Walking into the holy of holies. Putting that before God as the incense rises. And as he watches the incense rise. All of a sudden. There's an angel. With wings. Standing before him. Right? And he gives him a great line. Don't be afraid. Right? Like any of us would not be afraid. As this guy stands before us. And he says, your prayer has been heard. He's carrying the prayers of generations, of nations that are saying, send us a Messiah. Save the nation of Israel. So all of a sudden, he must be overwhelmed realizing the Messiah. We've been praying for the Messiah all my life. All my relatives, as far back as I can remember, prayed for the Messiah. You mean the Messiah is coming? So he must be overwhelmed with fear and awe, all at the same time. But then he goes on to explain a little bit more. He says, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will call him John. So the angel's given him a two-for-one deal here, really, right? Because he's, he's saying the Messiah will come, because we'll see more of that in a second. But he's also saying, and you will have a child. God has heard your prayer. You will have a son, and he will be named John, but he's not just going to be any boy. Let me tell you a little bit about your boy in verse 14. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel To their God. Remember all those people that have left Israel because they haven't seen God move in hundreds of years? He's saying, This is going to be your boy, and he is going to begin to direct them back. And he continues in verse 17. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a a people prepared for the Lord. Now, this is really cool. Verse 17 right here, because Malachi ends saying this exact verse. Someday somebody will come to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. And here's this angel, Gabriel, that shows up to Zechariah and he says, this is going to be your son. He is going to begin to prepare the way for this to begin to happen. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is... Well, hold on. This might be in the Bible. So um, I'm old and my wife is well along in years, right? That's what he says. Zechariah says, how can this be? I am 90 years old. And you're going to tell me that we are going to have a child... And then the angel responds, I like this response in verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel Wings. I stand in the presence of God. What do you mean, how do I know, right? I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, in verse 21, the people are waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he's taking so long, right? Thousands of people outside going, dude's been in there a long time, right? I think he must have dropped dead. Why don't you go check on him? right? And the other goes, oh, no, I'm not going to check on him, right? Some stuff popped up on the internet, and I don't I don't think I should walk in there, you know? Who knows what could happen, you know? And so nobody's wanting to walk in there and check on Zechariah. But finally, he comes out, verse 22, when he came out, he could not speak. Then he realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. So he finally comes out, right? And he's like, Telling everybody what's happened. They realized, whoa, something beyond what we can even comprehend has happened in there. Verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among The people third thing I want you to know is we wrap this up here today about anticipation what you anticipate you will have to prepare for. If you're anticipating God's promises in your life. He's going to let you take the first step. He's going to let you be preparing for what he wants to do in your life. One of my favorite Christmas movies Christmas vacation. All right. The great Clark Griswold is anticipating this fantastic bonus that he's going to get. And he's going to buy a swimming pool and his family is going to live happily ever after. Only to find out later he got the jelly of the month club, right? But what he's anticipating, he is preparing for, right? If we are anticipating anything in our lives, we begin to prepare for it. So if we are truly anticipating God moving in our lives... We have to prepare for that. Growing up in West Texas, I've been given some cowboy wisdom over the years. Some of it you take, some of it you don't. I remember one cowboy pulling me aside when I was in college, and he said, Adam, prettiest girls don't always bake the best biscuits. Okay, so do I want to eat or do I want to be married to a pretty girl? Well, I beat him and I got both, right? Another bit of wisdom I was given is this. It's easier to steer a moving truck than a parked one, right? If you're trying to steer a parked truck, it's not going to move very well, right? But if you're moving, you can steer it real easy. You can move it from side to side. You can turn around. What you anticipate, you will have to prepare for. As you're anticipating God's promises, you need to begin to move because as you move God leads the way and you are able to move in the direction that he calls you to are you anticipating God moving in your life in 2017 are you anticipating him moving in your family in 2017, in your own personal life, are we anticipating God moving in Rock Hills Church in 2017? If that's the case, we need to begin to prepare for it. And we need to begin to say, God, I will take a step of faith. And I, I pray that you will meet me along the way. Z and E had to do this, right? Zach, Zachariah, and Elizabeth, it says in verse 23 that when his time of service uh, Hold on, i just flip my page here. When his time of service had ended, that he goes back home and, verse 24, after this, his wife became pregnant. I'll leave it PG and leave out all the details. But he goes back home and he has to explain this to his 90-year-old wife. And then he goes and puts on some berry White. And before we know it, there is a baby that's coming. You have to take a step of faith to do what God has called you to do. Between the promise that God gives you and seeing the payoff of that promise, there's always a price to be paid in anticipating God, right? We see this with Noah and the ark. We see this when God delivers Moses through the Red Sea or the the Israelites march around Jericho. There's a promise and they have to take a step of faith anticipating God's promise. What steps of faith do you need to take in your life? Christmas reminds us more than any other time, That God keeps his promises even when his promises seem absolutely impossible to keep. You may be here today in the middle of an uncertain season, a waiting season. When you're growing, when God is strengthening you, when you're having to take some steps of faith. But what I want you to know is that God is with us. That he is a God who can be trusted what we can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth is that we can be confident that he is a God who keeps his promises because this story is just leading us to the next story. You see, that baby is John, who later is going to lead the way to Jesus. He leads the way to Jesus in the womb. And then again, as an adult later, he's going to lead the way to Jesus. Verse 26 and 27, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... uh, God sent the same angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to a town called Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Zechariah and Elizabeth trusted God. The child that they were carrying led the way to our Christmas story. They anticipated God's goodness and his faithfulness, and it led the way to to Jesus, where we will pick back up next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can anticipate your presence and your goodness in each one of our lives. And Father, we thank you that you are with us through the seasons of waiting, through the seasons when we have to stretch and grow. Father, we thank you that we can hold on to you. I pray, Father, for those who are struggling today That they wouldn't give up. But they would keep holding on despite the exit ramps. Lord we love you. In Jesus name. Amen.